We inhabit two worlds simultaneously, a physical one and a technological one that are constantly in flux as they adjust to our individual needs and the requirements of society. The potential for creativity, exploration, and growth these two realms offer is endless. We have almost unfettered access to these incredible tools. We can take raw information and turn it into a powerful message, a story to be shared. We can connect with loved ones worldwide and collaborate on projects with people we've never met in person. We have smart technology in our homes and vehicles and so much more. And when we have a crisis such as the COVID-19 pandemic, the real world saw another burst of growth in smart technologies, artificial intelligence, and other real-world applications. Things like mRNA vaccines revolutionized treatment with their effectiveness and affordability. Telemedicine and chatbots made seeking healthcare simpler than ever before. The tech revolution should be ushering in a new age of convenience and progress, making our lives easier, our economy more fair, our bodies and brains healthier, our cities safer, our environments cleaner. And in some ways, it has, but not to the extent we hoped. So far, it's only proven to create a palace built atop the riches for Silicon Valley royalty, savvy investors of the IT revolution, and a windfall of profits for companies who already sit atop the NASDAQ. Joining me for this podcast is Bob Lament from staticradio.com. He and I have a compelling conversation to answer why society hasn't explored technology to its full potential yet. We traverse various topics spanning both outmoded and state-of-the-art technology, along with ways we have hindered it instead of embracing it. This discussion touches on some of the most exciting aspects of our world today, and we had a lot of fun doing it. But find out for yourself, and I hope you enjoy The Bob Lament with Jay Roach. Hello and welcome to the With Jay Burke Show. My name is Jason Burke, and though I'm technically the host of this podcast, it's the guests who truly take top billing. This is a place for curious minds who enjoy civil and sometimes meandering conversation. If you enjoy a few laughs and want to come away with new knowledge on subjects that aren't always easy to break down, then you're the person I want listening to this podcast. Today I'm joined by Bob Lament from staticradio.com. Bob has been at it for 22 years now with his co-host Miles Title. With their weekly dose of stream-of-consciousness ramblings, the pair have created an impressive array of fully improvised comedy segments crafted in real time with each other's verbal meanderings, which has been entertaining the world ever since their first episode premiered before the turn of the century. Bob, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, hey, glad to be here. Yes. I did some research on you, and I found out that you have been doing this since 1998, but your first show was actually January 1st, 1999. Right. Yeah, so I say the official uh, official first show was January 1999, but we did some test shows after Thanksgiving. So after everybody had their Thanksgiving dinner, did all the test shows on that night in 1998. Gotcha. So that's where I come up with that. Gotcha. I was wondering if you guys were just waiting to see if Y2K uh, took everybody down. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. Uh, no. Oh, no. That I was 99. That. Yeah. Yeah. I was. Uh, th- that's a funny thing because I actually was involved with updating of computers for Y2K back in that era. Really? Which is kind of funny. Oh, yeah. So there was a, it was actually a big... Uh, uh, ordeal uh, for especially for like uh, larger companies because of uh, software and everything. And so they actually uh, hired people who went around updating machines, you know, individually because of uh, Y2K. So, but the funny thing was, I, at least I found amusing was at the time I uh, I had two, two machines. So I had a PC uh, which needed to be updated and I had a Macintosh and they had, they pretty much just hired whoever. And this young guy comes in and he updates my PC and then he turns around and he starts trying to update the Macintosh. And I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm going to update this for Y2K. 
like you don't need to it's not a mac problem <laughs> and he's like what he had no clue so it was just kind of a, yeah. a weird uh happenstance but yeah that was kind of a big deal at the time everybody wasn't worried about the world ending necessarily but certainly was worried about computers failing yeah i remember the night when the countdown's happening and just that fraction of a second i was waiting for all the lights to go off and you know to hear like uh <laughs> you know transformers blowing up and then just nothing except chaos and screaming in the streets but it never happens so no no it didn't happen so, i you know i think the banking people were probably most worried because it would affect them drastically uh, compared to everybody else so yeah well if you ever want to get that st- <laughs> you want to make sure the world doesn't end in that type of fashion, the banks are probably the best ones because they were going to make sure they're not going to lose. That's right. You know? <laughs> All the transactions. Exactly. Yeah, there was no way they were going to let that happen. That Yeah, that was a really interesting time. Definitely. And it's um, yeah. it's hard to believe it's so long ago now. I know. I, I Yeah, I'm terribly old, apparently. So mm-hmm. I don't, I, every time everybody talks about Y2K, I think about that and everybody panicking. And I was like... You know, at the time I was like, well, I think it's just going to be an update. It's not going to be, uh, yeah. you know, they're all worried about it. Can you imagine that now that we've gotten so many years on, you know, there's still people who are using, actually, there's still military installations using Windows XP, which has been outdated for a while. And in fact, I think I read something where the government was uh, paying uh, Microsoft to upkeep it just for them because they didn't want to change all these systems. So, you know, eventually they're going to have to. But Y2K was like, you know, fervor. But uh, right now there's missiles pointed at people who are running on Windows XP. So go wow. figure. Well, you know what the problem is? We don't fund the military. <laughs> <laughs> really? You, gonna, you, <laughs> you said that? <laughs> Sorry. I just wanted to throw that out there. <laughs> when I think about how much goes to the Pentagon and then they are still running on XP. Yeah. That's- well, the, the hilarious thing is we don't even know how much money goes to the Pentagon. Well, so. that's very true, too. That's only, yeah. <laughs> well, but that's, you know, I mean, that's not really the topic. I guess it's sort of, but. It, well, actually, it partially is the it topic. Partially it partially is the topic yeah. we're going to talk about. But it's funny, you know, I'm actually doing a, a, a couple of solo episodes on student debt. It was supposed to be just one, but it was so fast to try to work it out. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, what I really found out was that it was started the way it was started because Johnson was just funneling so much money, you know, in the budget between Vietnam and the Great Society programs. He really needed to keep it off the books to do mm-hmm. the student loan program. So instead of going through the government, he went through the banks through this really convoluted system. Mm-hmm. And we still kind of have that. Well, I guess we got rid of it. A couple of years ago, but it's still, you know, remnants. Yeah, yeah, there's still the mechanisms at play are still there. But it showed me, you know, you you really just have no clue how much money is funneled all over the place, and and it goes back to you know what the Pentagon is getting. It's like you have no clue when you get the contractors in and stuff like that. No, and and that's part of our topic is is there's this. I believe there's this inability for your average person, and I'm not making any kind of comment on intelligence or anything. I, I mean, anyone. It doesn't even if you have experience in in other areas to understand the the mass of some of these things. So if you think of, about the money spent by the government, it's such a big number, it's it's almost not fathomable right. by your average person. And so one of the things that's been in the news lately, and this will touch on another weird spot, but they're like, well, they spent $20 million to study if UFOs are real, right? Everybody's like, oh my God, $20 million, that's so much money. In the eyes of the government, $20 right. million is... It gets dropped on the ground while you're walking to your car. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's why sometimes when I hear about like certain budget cuts or something like that, it's laughable because, yeah, like you said, it's like, oh, well, we cut, you know, 20 million here. If we cut this, we'd save some money. And it's like, right. There's, you know, a trillion dollars going out. It's That's like, right. It, 20, 20 million is nothing. Yeah. You know, it's, it's change. It's a couple, it's a couple and, of pennies. Yeah. It fell out right. of your pocket. That's all it is. If you were to look into the the uh, salaries of people and so forth inside the in the government and everything, you're talking they maybe they had four employees for that twenty million and operating costs and travel costs mm-hmm. and all this kind of stuff. So you're not talking about a huge amount of uh, money, but the problem is is that 
on that scale, you know, your average person is, you know, they're just thinking, if I had $20 million, I'd be set for life. That's very true. And it's just the average person, I don't care how smart you are, it's it's very difficult to try to get through the web of all this stuff. And most people just don't have time to worry about that stuff. Right. Yeah. And you've got to you got to get to work or something. So you have to do something to take care of yourself. So you can't be thinking about that. Yeah. That's why sometimes I, you know, I'll have people on. I had one on particularly, and he's always worried about. He he was in academia, and then he worked in the. Um, I don't want to say for the government, but he probably was the contracted by them, mm-hmm. and couldn't understand why people didn't know certain things and i was trying to explain like well if you're living paycheck to paycheck you know (laughs) right i'm probably most people aren't going to worry about you know a lot of these issues they they don't want to worry about climate change or things like that it's just that's so much to think about when you're living paycheck to paycheck so I, i totally don't blame people for that i get it and I get that a lot of these things are important, but I also understand that people have to live their lives day to day. It's if, Well, you know, it kind of gets into our topic here, right? If we're talking about technology being utilized in a way that makes society better, and if you could make people's lives better, then they would maybe have time to try to think about all this stuff. Although we're talking about using technology to probably clean up a lot of that stuff too. Sure. Oh, yeah. Definitely. But I mean, it, it, the interesting thing about, I think, technology currently, you know, we were, we've gone through a, a phases. So if you think about, uh, and you know, I don't have to live through these phases, and I haven't lived through all these phases either. But yeah. during World War II, there was this incredible output of new discoveries and, and trying to figure some things out. And we pushed ourselves forward technologically during that time per- period, probably more than ever in our lifetimes, right? In, in the history of, of mankind, personhood, however you want to say it. And then that acceleration just picked up speed as we've gone into the rest of the 20th century. And so now here we are in the uh, 21st century, you know, about what, a fifth of the way through now or something like that. So, yeah. you know, we should be reaping the rewards, but it seems like everything's kind of slowed down a little bit compared to the latter part of the 20th century. And so I always wonder about that. Your mind wanders to think about, well, why and what could be done? And then I thought, well, wait a minute. It's kind of just like this idea of of not being able to see the the mass of money and, and kind of process it. Um, you You look and you're like, wait a minute, we have so many of these things. What's holding them back? And it's not the technology that's holding them back. It's society, economics, politics, mm-hmm. religion, all those things hold uh, these technological things back. So, you know, we have everything currently, and actually it's already, you know, you read it in the news from time to time, uh, for self-driving cars, right? So all the technology to drive a car without a person at the wheel is available. It's being done. Waymo uh, out in San Francisco, if you read the articles about that. Uh, and it's been that way. I think DARPA had a self-driving car back in the early 2000s. I want to yeah. say there was a self-driving motorcycle. I'll put it that way. I think it was a self-driving motorcycle back in the 2000s, right? And that's the defense uh, yeah. initiatives. Yep. Yeah, and- they, they created GPS. I believe. Right, right, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, oddly enough, with GPS, they created GPS and then put a bug in it so it would not be accurate for anybody but the military, but that's a whole other... Oh, really? I didn't know Oh, yeah, that. it's still actually, it's still not... It still could be, it still is more accurate for the military than it is for you and I on our phones, although it's it's pretty darn good. I was um, going to say. So, but anytime yeah. it routes me a certain way that I don't like, I can, I can curse <laughs> so the you government. You can blame that. Yeah, curse exactly. my government. Well, yeah. no, they they had basically when they before they released it to the public, I believe the military had GPS that so would be within a foot. And now you you know sometimes you can't get that on your phone today. So, but anyway, the but you look at the self driving technology, which again, and you think of the cascading effect that would have uh, if it were to be implemented, right? So uh, you could you could maximize the mileage on the car. 
right? And we're talking and still not talking about changing over to any kind of uh, electrical uh, transportation, just even the good old uh, internal combustion engine. And people, the thing is, people always think, well, I'm not going to be able to do this. But if you can sit in your car and have it take you someplace and you could just read or watch a movie. People will do that. They could say whatever (laughs) they they want. (laughs) Yeah. You know, know they'll do it, you know, and the comfort of their own little uh, enclave there. Oh, I think Um, about that all the time. How many people would, you know, let's say you had a 40 minute commute to work and maybe I'll just take a nap. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) there. That's what people do. It's the usual stuff you're talking about, right? So there's mm-hmm. a resistance to it, sure. um, especially if you're older and you're used to a certain way of operating. You know, yeah, you I don't even think it's older people. It would be a boom for older people because they can't go anywhere. If, if you could lose your license, when you get into your 80s, let's say, you're going to lose your license whether you like it or not. Yeah, The, the doctor at some point is going to say, you can't drive. And if you had a car in the garage that you just typed in a couple things and it would take you, you know, to go get a coffee or something, you'd do it. So it really, oddly enough, I don't think it's the older people because mobility is one of those things that actually helps with the longevity of your life because you can go, you know, see people and do things and be part of your, uh, you know, social uh, schema. I think it's actually the people who are in the middle. So I would say, 30, 40, 50 year old people probably are, are just the, the ones who are probably most resistant, oddly enough. Uh, whereas the younger people and the older people probably are more, uh, willing. I don't know. We have to do a poll or something, but, uh, <laughs> just off the top of my head here. I, but the, um, it's, it's interesting how, you know, at first blush, you think, Oh, well, it's just people setting their ways. Well, maybe not. Maybe not. You know what? That's a good point that you made with the older generation. But as far as the driverless cars, so I do work in the insurance industry and risk management Uh-oh. and stuff like you're that. One of the, you're, gonna, you're one of the guys that's holding it back. So I was just about to say, I mean, a lot of this technology stuff in any – well, anything – is profit motive, right? So mm-hmm. <clears throat> insurance companies, I mean, it is a big thing in the industry. They talk about what's going to happen when you have driverless cars and mm-hmm. there's like a 0.0001% chance of an accident, which means there's no claims in the insurance industry, uh, mm-hmm. which drops the rates to a point where it's basically minimum premiums that they're getting. Right. And you also have to take into account they were talking about – um how a lot of uh, municipalities make their money off of ticketing the citizens and stuff like that. So a lot of the profit margin is holding that back. But I do know specifically that insurance companies definitely have lobbied to try to keep that off the road for now until they can figure out how to make money off of it. Right. That's what what it comes down to. Same thing like with oil companies, you know, it's like they're starting to switch to solar and Get into mm-hmm. these other areas of clean energy. They're just not going to make as much money yet. Once they can make a right. lot of money, they will kill, you know, gasoline and oil and things like that. But it always comes down to the profit motive with this stuff. Oh, yeah. So. And, and economics then is holding us back, which is really interesting. But if you look at just even current things, so uh, think about, and, and I don't know exactly how old you are, but there is a, a time where you had to pay for a long distance phone call and you and I are nowhere near each other. This would have been a costly yes. endeavor in the past, right? Yes. Yeah. And and so the phone companies had to adjust. The record companies, because of digital music, mm. had to adjust. I mean, when you bought an album or a, even a CD, if we go even you know more current, they'd make a good amount of money on a CD because CD cost practically nothing to make. And people would buy it and they would make, you know, the margins were huge. Now their margins are much smaller, but they've all survived. In fact, my understanding is that at least the uh, uh, record companies are making more money now than they've ever made. Well, part of that is, like you said, an an adjustment, right? So remember, so I am a Gen Xer late. uh, I was born in 79, so you could do the math on that. But <laughs> I'm about 10 years older than you are. Then, okay. So there we go. Yeah. Okay. So when I, I'm early Gen Xer, you're late Gen Xer. Hey, yeah. You, yeah. you know what? I'm making the X sign with my. There you go. <laughs> um, but when I was younger, you know, the CDs were 12 bucks, maybe 18 bucks, something newer. 
But con- I used to go to a lot of concerts. They weren't mm-hmm. that. Ex- I could go to you know. I'm right next. I'm a stone throw from New York, so I can go to like Roseland well, to some of these places. But it sure. cost me like twenty bucks to go see a band, right. a couple of bands. Yeah. Now. You know, oh, yeah. it's a couple hundred bucks, but I can buy a single for a dollar off of them. So mm-hmm. that's probably right. where the adjustment is. I know now they, they used to tour to a loss, but mm-hmm. it would promote the units being sold, which were the CDs, the cassettes mm-hmm. and whatever have you. So yeah, that's, that's what you're talking about with the adjustment. There's always an mm-hmm. adjustment there. Well, and I'm not familiar with the, you know, incredibly familiar with the music industry, but the uh but my understanding is that the record companies rarely if ever made money off of concerts and that's part of the reason why so now i don't know do they get a cut of that i have no idea yeah like, that's why before they didn't really make money and and that's why they toured so much was that's how they made uh, a few bucks yeah um you know so yeah i think they've kind of i wouldn't say i'm an expert in this either i mean i know a bit <laughs> but i know that a lot of the musicians, why you see them doing a lot of these things like The Voice or, you know, mm-hmm. doing ads everywhere else is really the music industry is cut into their profit and kind of force them out. That's where they really make their money, these these artists. Yeah. Is, yeah, that's why Slash is doing the credit card commercial mm-hmm. Guns, Guns N' Roses. He's got yeah. to make ends meet. You know? yeah, remember when it was cool not to sell out? Now it's, <laughs> yeah, exactly. now, now it's unaffordable a- to not sell out. So We saw that commercial and then my wife goes, is that Slash from Guns N' Roses? I go, yeah, it is. <laughs> I, I think that a lot when I see, you know, I'm skipping through the channels and I see some of these guys on some of these shows, like, like you're talking about, like I'll see them on The Voice or one of these things and I'm like, like, back in the day, they wouldn't be caught dead doing this. This would no. be beneath some of these guys. But yeah, you're right. That's like he's got to he's got to keep warm. Slash, I guess. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, he's got to pay for that sweet child of his. <laughs> the um, <laughs> sorry, that's a that's okay. We, do, uh, <laughs> we can do meandering. That's one of the things I do on the show. <laughs> but uh, I think kind of turning back though. It, those so you know insurance uh society i think at this point we we were kind of speeding along on a technological you know highway before and now we've slowed down you know we're at the construction zone or something but the problem is the technology is not is there it's just not getting utilized in the ways that it could be utilized in order to solve some of these issues getting back to the car thing we wouldn't have to talk about during the pandemic, how much the smog in Los Angeles dissipated whenever everybody stayed home for a mm. while, right? I mean, it was dramatic, and it was in a very short amount of time, you know, considering things. I was we were able to view it. Yeah, too. I was shocked yeah. that I, I sat there. And I was like, "That's all it takes is <laughs> it's like yeah. a month or two, and then everything's much, much cleaner and much better." And, and now we're now we're back the other way. So yeah. now they're back to the smog city again. But I think, you know, if you did, and I don't know if you've ever been to Los Angeles or driven to Los Angeles, but it is a horrible place to be. I don't know how people live there. I've been a couple of times <laughs> and driven around on the 405 and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. And it's, it's, but if there was, if we took this technology and applied it to that scenario, I think it would help it. It would lower the smog. It would, it would improve the flow of traffic and it would, um, you know, overall be a beneficial to the ecology of the area. And it would also be beneficial to everybody who lives there because it's so effing hard to travel in that city. <laughs> you can yeah. go anywhere in that city. And then if you can travel faster, then then economics go up because you can get places faster, which means you can spend your money faster. And I think everybody's like, well, I don't want to do that because of these other reasons. And they don't look at the positives that it would bring for something just to that little small area. If you think about it that way, it's been a long time ago, but there was a, a little documentary on why there's traffic jams and the traffic jam, you know, everybody wants to get going, but the, what's that? I would love to watch that, honestly. Oh, <laughs> It's a cool little animation that, so, you know, what happens when one person puts their brakes on even, you know, a mile away, how it affects the people a mile behind them, right? And since everybody's on a voluntary track here where they can all touch their brakes, it's got this ripple effect through traffic, right? So you may be dealing with the traffic jam that was caused by somebody who's a mile or two miles away just because they decided, oh, I want to look at the smog on the skyline. 
And if you could eliminate some of that, then it would keep, you know, everything uh, moving along. And even though you may only be going, you know, 30 miles an hour, at least you're going continuous 30 miles an hour rather than a two miles an hour and then 50 miles an hour, then two miles an hour. And again, helps with the uh, efficiency of the car, helps with keeping down the pollution. It helps all the way around. Now we're, we're getting, I, I wish I would work for the auto industry. I'm kind of making this uh, uh, point here, but I don't. That's just one of the areas that I think that we have everything we need. We just need to get out of the way and let it happen. Yeah. Um, we are, we're stopped. We're, you know, your own worst enemy. We're our own worst enemy when it comes to something like that. Yeah. And I think that's a good point as far as let's say you wanted to tackle something like pollution or something like that. It's very multifaceted. That's mm-hmm. one thing that can help. Um, yeah. you know, most people think about it from a very, you know, linear perspective, you know, but it's definitely not something that's linear. So, you know, in my head, I'm thinking about like, what do they have those? They talk about those like, uh, CO2 carbon catch. I don't right, know the names yeah. of them, but you know, right. it, it, it's still, you need more than that. Right. And you need, mm-hmm. there's a bunch of things. And, and you're right. I mean, technology, I mean, listen, you can have these smart cities now and, and things mm-hmm. like that, but we're held back. Like you said, by yeah. a number of forces. Well, so. it, it, most of those things are are society, economic dominance. You know what I mean? You know, I always hear about the buggy whip salesman was uh, didn't want the car because he couldn't sell buggy whips because there wouldn't be no horse and buggies anymore. But eventually, we made the transition, right? Right. Um, but right now, I think just time and so forth. And politics, uh, frankly, is getting in the way of these things progressing. Because the terrible thing is people, they always say, we want the economic forces to to make the changes, right? Rather than having to be forced on people. But as you mentioned, when the insurance companies are lobbying against the <laughs> technological changes, you know, then they can't happen because you're talking about a group that has a lot of money and a small opinion width as opposed to people who do have a lot of money, but not, you know, we they can't all get together because obviously people are not going to all agree. You can't get a big enough group of people to have the opinion and the money power that you can for these companies at this point. And they say, well, that's what politics is for. But then you have the lobbyists and then they sway the politicians. And so now you've got this thing all out of balance. And I think basically overall, I'd say that all of our systems are a little bit out of balance right now. Mm-hmm. So the economic system, the political system, um, because there's just a little too much power in too few hands uh, currently. And I'm not going to get into the debate of, you know, Democrat versus Republican no. or anything like that. Because I don't think that matters because they're all wrong. They're I, all out of balance. <laughs> I sort of agree with that. Yeah. Um, and, and I do some political stuff on, on the mm-hmm. show, obviously. But I'm I'm registered independent. So mm-hmm. because I like to view problems as problems that need solutions. So I try not to let an ideology get involved with that. You know, there might be right. things I agree with more on one side or not. But I think I think an interesting point is you can bring up that this is where tech has been used in the wrong way. Mm-hmm. When you talk about people's opinions, technology has infiltrated, basically hacked people's brains and been used as a revenue source by creating a lot of partisanship. Mm-hmm. So that plays into that factor as well that you're talking oh, about. Yeah. You know, technology could be great too, but we use it in exactly the wrong way. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, this is a little off that topic. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all these apps are really just a great social experiment. We're, we're witnessing something that nobody really knows what the outcome is going to be. There's no, there's no time in history where we've had this. Oh, no. And, you know, all these things have been weaponized to really just hack people's brains. Mm -hmm. And that's where it's really dangerous when you're talking about power in in a few people's hands, too. That's that's Mm -hmm. a big one to me because it's just being used for uh, people are viewed as data points now. Right. And not Mm -hmm. in the sense of being a human being. 
this is where AI is just really incredible to me. Mm-hmm. And it can do things that just a human being has no shot at. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because you can aggregate that data and then say, oh, everybody loves to go to Kroger on Tuesday. So yeah. we'll jack up all the prices on Tuesday and we'll make a bunch more money. And I don't, I don't think that a lot of folks even realize that that's happening. All the reward cards and price clubs or whatever you want to call it. You know, if you go to Sam's or Costco, you know, you get a good price because they get your spending habits. Yeah. And then they weaponize those spending habits against you later. You just don't know when or where, but you're paying more for something that shouldn't be paying more for because they can see what your the trends are. And Amazon, I think, is even doing that online. So you have to log into your Amazon account to get things, right? But if you go look at something when you're not logged in, you may see a different price for the exact same thing that you're just browsing than whenever you log in to buy. And uh, it's not always be- uh, the better price. And you got to figure when you're talking about, again, the scale of these things, if it's a nickel for every person, that's a lot of money. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, and it's, again, it's the unfathomable scale that these things are operating at that people kind of get taken by. Oh, well, it's just a nickel. No, it's a nickel times a million, yeah, two million, three million to- people. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. I call it the uh, you know the Warren Buffettizing of of prices because if you it, I, there's a great documentary on Warren Buffett if you haven't seen it, and he talks about you know compound interest and how his mind thought early on that's why he's got so much money. He's like, well, if I can amass all this money, then I can amass even more money, and so that was his his goal was just to get a big lump of money and then amass more money off of that because it compounds right. And essentially, a lot of these companies, and I, people don't think I realize this as well, you know, PayPal probably makes more money on the fact that they hold everybody's money for 30 mm-hmm. days than they do on any of their fees, you yes. know, because they can hold several million people, you know, whatever the transaction is, for a, a month and make interest on it. And so they have this huge lump of money that's just sitting there making them money. I can, uh, so I can attest all- to, to that <laughs> in the in the insurance business again yeah. because their actual model is to look at all these points and they're saying if they can pay out the same amount that they're taking in they've mm-hmm. won because all they're doing right. is investing that money and you right. think about somebody like huge like progressive or somebody like that. Think about how much mm-hmm. money they make a day just aggregating mm-hmm. all of that, just getting yeah. compounded interest. And that's and that's where the money is, right? So Right. It doesn't matter what's going in and coming out as long as that lump stays stays the same or larger. So it doesn't have to be, you know, they don't have to be bringing in everybody thinks, "Oh, they got to be bringing in millions and millions." No, no, no. They've they've established this lump and it's generating for them. And they, as long as they can keep that lump, they'll never stop generating. Yeah. It, it's perpetual uh, money machine. Yep. That's exactly what it is. As long as they could stay at, as long as they could stay even, they're making, yeah. they're making, they're going to make money. Massive exactly. amount of money. So it, it, I always wonder why, and, and it, it, I don't know who would, uh, you know, be able to pull this. I had to be a fairly charismatic person, but literally you could, if you could convince people to say, to build that on your own, right? If you can get individuals, and that's what kind of what you do for through, uh, um, oh, what's the name of the, uh, the sites that, you know, you can beg for money essentially for projects and whatever. Oh, I'm well, blanking on the name of it, but, uh, I want to say Patreon, but it's not that, but, uh, um, it's not, no, it's not that. But anyway, you get, you get that. And that's part of their model too is basically right. get everybody to give these people money. Well, we hold on to it for a month and then we've got this big lump of money that generates for us. That, that's kind of died down over the last few years. People don't do that quite so much, but if you could do that, then I mean, you'd be set, right? Oh, I'll just basically, you don't pay me anything. We just got to amass this lump of money and I'll manage it. And I don't even want a salary. I just going to snip off the interest and you know, and I'm set. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. So <laughs> anyway, we're off, we're off our other topic about technology, but right. that's actually what, part of what technology part brings. Of it, right? It's yeah, part of the yeah. web. It's a huge part of why tech is the way it is. Right. Exactly. The other you part automate part. that. You, if you automate, it makes it even easier. So like um, there was a, and this gets way back into tech things, but there was a guy 
And I can't remember his name now, but he had a site called IP Chicken. And you can still go there, ipchicken.com. If you want to know what your IP number was, you would go to IP Chicken. And basically, I think he pretty much, once it, it was one of those things that probably mostly just technology-related people would go to at the time. This would be back in the 90s. Uh, but he put a couple ads on there and found out he would make way more money on IP Chicken than he did working. Because so many people would go, it would show the ad, he'd get a little money. And it, it did that for uh, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of hits, because it was a piece of code that now is everywhere. But at the time, he was kind of the, the person who thought of it. And, you know, it worked out really well for him because it was simple and, you know, nobody else was doing it. So, you know, that's just kind of the way is if you can kind of hit upon something like that, it's kind of a no brainer. But to get back to the technology thing, I was going to say the other thing that I was going to bring up here was um, solar panels. So even though it's not super efficient solar, you can get solar tiling for your roof, right? So, Mm -hmm. and let's say, and I'm not sure on the costs of all this uh, myself, but I've read up on it. So, you know, you have to have a roof on your house if you have a house or a building of some kind. And um, you can't put solar panels on it, which would cost you, you know, 10, 20 grand, right, with everything. And then they have these solar tiles now. Well, a change in the coating that says, okay, all new houses need to have a solar roof, right? It may yeah. cost another, but in the, in the scheme of uh, a brand new house, $10,000, $20,000, you're talking, you know, not even, it's probably even a 10% increase in the house these right. days, right? But what would that do for the you know electrical generation industry it would if you did that on all new houses in an area you wouldn't have to generate as much at least for a residential situation now for businesses it's a wholly totally different animal right for residential if you have 20 solar panels you probably can power that house yeah right with 20 currently with the efficiencies that we have today Right. If you had 40 of them, which the hilarious thing is, if you have 40 of them, you can power your house and an electric car because it's going to take almost 20 of them to power your electric car. Yeah. uh, Because it takes so much energy. So, depending on how big your roof was, you have an energy neutral house all of a sudden for a 10%, 15% bump in the cost of that house. But if they, if they put it out as a mandate, for new houses, at least, not saying you have to retrofit old ones. Now you're going to start tipping the scales over the course of a decade for energy generation uh, and renewable energy. They all, oh, we need renewable gen- energy. We need this. We need. You got it. You just have to put it out there yeah. and do it. You know, and if people are building new houses, you know, it's probably not going to knock a huge amount of people out of that market because they're, if you're building a new house, you probably have means. Anyway, yeah. and so increasing that means by a little bit more is not going to be as detrimental as if you know you're, we're not you know uh, taxing the homeless or something like that with these kind of things. These are probably people who are well off, and so it starts making that turn. And we've been talking about oh gosh, this has been talked about since I was a teenager. So if they would have implemented something, you know, just say even twenty years ago by the year two thousand we would already be making a dent and there wouldn't be this rhetoric to say, Oh, we have to look for more renewable sources because it would be done. Right. It's just like the smog, the smog would be gone. The the detriment to the grid because we're, you know, so many demands on the grid would be gone. And there's always these worries. Everybody's against electric cars. There's worries that, well, we're going to put too much demands on the grid, you know? Yeah. You, but you don't have to, if, you just do a little bit of tweaking with the way things are done. Now, you know, we don't know what the long term would be if there's hail or anything, but you have to replace your roof if you get hail damage anyway. So yes. it's not like hail is the enemy of only solar panels. It's the enemy of a roof. So, yeah. you know, yeah. it's kind of weird like that. Well, I do think that's funny when people bring up something like that. They'll be like, well, you know, hail or something. And, and it's like you said, though, it's like, oh, hail can do a lot of damage in other ways than just your solar panels. So, right. Um, exactly. Yeah, we, had, we had a hailstorm and knocked out a window. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, yeah, damage your car. I mean, there's, and it damaged the car. Yeah. yeah. We had a car totaled and a, a window knocked out and the roof had to replace all in one uh, afternoon hailstorm. Oof. 
Yeah, that's yeah. a that's a fun day. <laughs> where where are you out of? Just wondering. I think I uh, outside of St. Louis. Oh, okay. Missouri. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, news has to be sensational because news is a is an economically driven thing. And they love to talk about all these things. Oh, people, oh my, and they're all, hand, everybody's hand-wringing, you know, oh my gosh, we got to do this. We got to do that. It's like, yes, but the solutions are here. They're here now. You, it's a matter of implementation more than anything at this yeah. point, I think, um, that people just don't either through various ways, just don't want to implement them. And so therefore, you know, it's like, either, oh, it's going to be too much of a hardship. It'll be 10% uh, more. And it's like, eh. Probably maybe in the the very very short term, but once once the solar roof people start making that money, then we're off to the races because uh, it'll bring costs down and more options will pop up. I mean, how many? If you look at anything, even if you look at consumer things, when the iPod came out, I mean, you there's so many different knockoffs that it was incredible. It, yeah. You couldn't even tell the knockoffs from the real things at, at certain points because so many things hit the market. And for some reason, everybody forgets that whenever it comes to the whatever the topic du jour that I don't want to talk about or deal with is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, that, that's a, another good point you're making as far as whatever the outlay is, right? Because when I think about energy efficiency and stuff like that, one of the great things that they did was, so like, let's say, so you go buy a new fridge you're, or you're looking for a new fridge. You know, they have to put what the average cost would be per year or what you'd be mm -hmm. saving down the line. Right. And you factor that in because, yeah, let's say one fridge is 1500 mm -hmm. and the other one's 750 But if you have this one for three or four years, the 1500 it's going to cost less than having the one that was $750 because the energy right. output is so different, uh, mm -hmm. so much worse and not effective that you're driving your costs up rather than driving them down or the other one would just drive your costs down. Right. So it's like you're saying, yeah, okay, the outlay is there, but in time it's not. And then the other point is, yeah, the competition finds its way into these things to help oh, yeah. offset it. And it finds it pretty quickly. It does. Speaking of energy usage, I don't know why I thought of this, but uh, I guess because I was looking down at my phone you know, you charge your phone every day and so forth. And I think I read somewhere, who knows if this is uh, correct or whatever, but basically for the total, for the whole year of you charging your phone, like a regular usage of your uh, smartphone costs you like $5 for the year. That's, okay. Yeah. That's nothing. <laughs> it's nothing. Exactly. But I, I always love it because, you know, people don't think about that. They think, oh, this is, I'm charging this, so it's costing me money, but it's costing you so little yeah. over the long term for the usage that you get out of it. It is almost infinitesimal, right? And yet we still have, you know, don't plug in your cell phone here. If you go out to hotels and things, they'll tell you to unplug. And it's like, it, you're, they're using so little energy. And I imagine eventually, and I don't know why it hasn't happened, because uh, it seemed to happen really quickly uh, back when I was a kid with calculators. I don't know if you remember calculators were a big thing. <laughs> when you were really little. Uh, Texas Instruments. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> and then they came out with the solar calculator. Do you remember that? Yes. Yes, I do. Because the calculator used so little energy, they could put this little tiny, I mean, it wasn't even hardly a postage stamp, solar thing onto your calculator. And then you just hold it under a light and you could use your calculator all day long. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was pretty amazing back in the day too. I remember. Yeah. yeah. But that didn't, that didn't take 20 years to get the solar calculator. As far as I can remember, I remember when calculators used to cost a lot of money and were huge. And then they miniaturize them and, and the and competition and they come out with a solar thing. Your cell phone could literally just be a solar device that you put under the lamp when you get home and it gets charged. It's not quite there, but uh, literally, you know, and don't leave your lamp on overnight is also part of the problem. But you, in the back of your cell phone could be a, a solar panel that charges your phone while you drive. And eventually they'll get, you know, just like they did with a calculator that would get smaller because they would make it more efficient. So... But those are the kind of things that I think back now. Yeah. We had an adding machine when I was a kid. It was a big, big thing. It looks like a typewriter and you pull the handle to, to make it add. I don't know if you've ever seen one of those. Uh, yes, I did. 
You're oh, okay. Where you pull the yeah, 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 junk, good junk, yeah. yeah. And you punch in the buttons, and it was in rows, and so you'd be like one dollar and fifty nine cents, and it was like three different rows, and then you go junk, and then you put the next one in, and then you'd hit the total, and it would total them all up because it was all mechanical. Yeah. And uh, we bought a calculator because my father needed it for his work at home, and he finally broke down. And I mean, it thing cost like uh, like a hundred bucks or something. It was outlandish and it was like a, a big deal. And then I couldn't touch it. And then I got to play with the old mechanical one. Within, you know, 10 years, we had these little solar powered calculators. It's, you know, still cost at the time, probably, you know, $15, $20. But, you know, that was a, you know, speedy cycle there, I guess you'd say, <laughs> compared yeah. to what we're dealing with now. Uh, and I'm sure that that changed the world in some ways because more people could have them. So, you know, maybe it helped. I don't know. Uh, you know, I don't know what the outcome was on that, but uh, certainly interesting. Oh, yeah, definitely. Actually, when I think about the calculator, so I think about a few things about, um, and we're talking about smartphones, you know, as soon as the smartphone came out, or I guess, mm-hmm. you know, Steve Jobs walked out onto the stage in, what, 2008 mm-hmm. and introduced the iPhone. How many industries took a hit between uh calculators being on there you had gps gps um just so many so many things you could do on it that yeah it became everything and now it's like even your television and your Mm -hmm. you could do your job on it at this point right yeah but but if you think about it it didn't kill all of it. So there still is. No, you can still get calculators. And you still get calculators. I mean, some people, some uh, at school, I know my kids still had to get a graphing calculator, even though I'm like, well, we got this. I got you a phone. It's got everything on it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, you got to have the graphing calculator. So we had to pay for that. But And televisions are cheaper than ever and larger than ever. And and they're still selling at a, at a good rate. It didn't kill. And it, it certainly took some profit out of things. Right. But it didn't kill industries wholesale, at least not right away. Eventually, I think it will. The television has become, you know, has been in place for so long. It's just like a historical relic that people like I sit in front of the television. Eventually, I think that that'll go uh, away too as generations get more used yeah. to tablets and things. So. That's the, uh, what do they call it? The hearth, right? People used right. to sit around there. Right. And then it was, you sit around uh, uh, the radio. And then yeah. the television became that. No, you're you're right because it's really weird. And you know, I have kids and stuff, and it's everybody's watching something different. Like mm-hmm. sometimes I'm like, why do I have the TV? Well, uh, the other th- funny thing is that they've come out with the sharing, so you can watch the same thing. Have you ever done that? I've never done it, but my no. kids have. So you can go on and and to Netflix and say, uh, or maybe not Netflix, but YouTube and say watch together and it you both watch the same stream at the same time oh no i didn't see that yeah and it's got i think it's on netflix i think it's on i know it's on disney plus and on youtube i think and i'm sure a bunch of other ones now because you're distant so you know we could say you know hey jay we're gonna watch uh, the new andor and we both hit our buttons and it's not totally synced i'm sure but it's more in sync than it would be and then you can chat and have a call like this uh, yeah. to each other and talk about the what's going on. Uh, you know, it's it's weird to see them all. They're always talking on all these apps and stuff, and there'll be like 10 of them. And it makes me think, I remember when three-way calling became a big thing. Yeah. And I was, <laughs> used to call, one of my friends would call me, I call someone else, they call someone else, and then you'd have like 10 people on the phone together mm-hmm. at one time. And now it's like that on steroids, you know, they could do right. just everything together. They play games at the same time. It's like it, The the funny thing was wild. when telephones first came out, it was party lines. And so you'd already have 10 people on one line, whether you liked it or not, uh, which is kind of interesting to yeah. look back at. <laughs> yeah. It's just kind of morphed. Got yeah. a little. It goes out and comes back. Yeah. You ever seen that they try to get these, like anybody in Gen Z or old, or I guess maybe not the millennial, but they have these videos where they show them a rotary phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they have no clue. They don't tell them anything. They're like trying to make a phone call. (laughs) It's like they're trying to dial it maybe. They're like, I don't understand. (laughs) Just putting their finger in the hole like it's a button. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I did have one of those. So, I mean, I was really, really young when we had that. But yeah. 
Yeah. We, yeah, we, yeah, we had the rotary phone that was uh, hardwired in the kitchen. So it, yeah. there was no modular plug. You couldn't unplug the darn thing. It was, and you had to be in the kitchen to make a phone call. That was our. Oh, really? Yeah. That was that way for until my parents finally, uh, got forced into doing touch tone dialing, which they were forced people to do. But we had the rotary phone until then. So we were way late on uh, that. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like we were always too. And then even <laughs> when my parents did get it, they would use it in like ways that didn't didn't really complement them or make it easier. Like an example would be like I remember my parents bought a nice uh, HD TV. My dad retired and they never they didn't have one, and everybody was still using cable back then too. So you used to have to go to the HD channel or the regular channel. They were always using the old channel, and I'm like. <laughs> Like, dude, you have you have an HD TV. You have to go to like not five, but five oh five, right? You'd <laughs> be like, it looks the same. It's fine. I'm like, why did you buy an HD TV? Because I wanted a You're new TV. I was like, damn it. I'm like, there's clearly a difference in that. Look at that grass. <laughs> and now we have TVs that we uh, 4K and 8K that we literally can't tell the difference. I, know, I mean, they're they're, they're, insane. they're too they're so high resolution. Your eye can't even discern it. I know. When I go look at the uh, TVs, yeah, then it's wild because, first of all, all the TVs are huge now, right? So, you know, 55, Mm -hmm. 65, 75-inch TVs were like monoliths back in the day, and they were (laughs) huge boxes that Mm -hmm. sat on your floor and were like four feet high. And now it's just like as light as a feather, and you Mm -hmm. anchor it to the wall. But it, but it's I, wild. I mean, and then I'm watching some movies from like 2000, you know, and special effects, and it's like it totally ruins <laughs> the movies, right? Yeah, it's like unfortunately, it's like really cheesy special effects. So yeah, because yeah, whenever you were a kid and I were a kid, you could watch stuff from the 50s and 60s as long as it was in color, it was okay. But mm-hmm. but now kids can't go back 10, 15 years. That's a, a place where it, technology has advanced without being hindered yeah i mean they're always pumping out they almost pump it out too fast though like i always say on my phone when i'm ready for an upgrade i'm like they just make the camera better every year like i don't get really Mm -hmm. much on the features (laughs) but the camera is amazing every year it is yeah it is actually amazing because i do basically all the the artwork and everything on my phone and it's Mm -hmm. fantastic it's actually easier to do it that way than logging in and trying to do stuff it's amazing how easy it is and how good well i i think that gets to a point there on the conversation so apparently the camera companies the standalone camera companies don't have the money that some of these other things do because they couldn't stop it so that your camera phone is better than any any camera that I ever had previously. And arguably, whenever you look at those pictures, a lot of them are, the quality is so good. Some people can take camera phone pictures that rival, you know, anything you see. And you're like, wow, that's just a fantastic picture. So these, uh, you know, the standalone cameras, they're still selling them, but obviously not in the quantity that used to, because you used to have a phone and a camera separate, or you didn't have a phone at all. You had a set of camera. But the the digital progression of of cameras and then it integrated with the phone, it was so quick over the course of basically, you know, 10, 15 years that you no one ever says, oh, I'm going to go out and buy a new camera. No, unless it's like something very specialized, like that's right. what you do. But even then, it's like digital now. So mm-hmm. you play with the pictures and you buy these big lenses that are like a thousand bucks right yeah that's a, that's a different uh side yeah. of it the lens and everything but i think we've hit on something i didn't even think about while we we're talking but it's like well it seems like some of the advancements that we're that we see on a quick side are entertainment advances yes and the advances we need to see as far as a kind of global you know betterment for humankind are being hindered I would agree with that uh, 1,000%. Yeah. It seems like anything to do with entertainment, they can't stop, right? Like, that's just yeah. something, even with the output of how much choice you have when it comes to television shows or, or anything like mm-hmm. that, movies, I mean, there's no, the amount of content that's out there is amazing. 
And yeah. I guess, it, you know, there's almost just too much riding on it to, to really be able to stop it. Yeah, um, could be. But yeah, then these other things are slowing down. And it's like, you know, I, I, one of the things I put on my note to you was uh, voter turnout. It's like, literally, they could make a secure app where everybody just oh, yeah. votes on their phone. Now, I got, granted, everybody doesn't have a smartphone, but you have more people with smartphones than vote. Yeah. So, so you, if you put something together like that, you would get more people voting. So are you telling me you don't want more people voting because you don't try to implement something like this? Because it's probably safer to do it as an app that's a secured app than it is for any of these electronic voting machines that they have in the the world currently. And yes, now I guess you you said, well, you're going to cut out some folks, but we already have the statistics to know where the poor areas are, right? So you have places to vote there. You already have the statistics where the smartphone people are. You don't put the money into the polling places. You put the money into the app. I mean, this is what they do every day to attract consumers. Why aren't we doing this to attract people into the system of democracy? It doesn't make sense not to. I mean, if if you truly feel that we have a system that's worth participating in, uh, which I have my doubts sometimes, then that would be the way to attack that. You wouldn't just complain about it and say, well, we have all the polling places open. Just like any good product, you take it to the consumer. You don't wait for the consumer to come to you. Um, that's a great point. Yeah. I mean – So, yeah, you know. But you, you, you're right. That's a great point. You take it to the consumer. I mean, even fast food at this point has gone <laughs> to the point where they're using they're using all these delivery apps to get it out. To right. You, so you don't have yeah. to go to them, and they're still getting their pound of flesh. Right. And right. They're probably making exactly. more because that mm-hmm. person didn't want to go out and get McDonald's or whatever the heck it was. Well, they, I don't know if you know for DoorDash. Not only do you pay for the DoorDash service, you pay a different price for that same piece of food. Amazing. Just a few cents, but there is a difference. If you look, if you really compare, you can look and you're like, oh, this is a nickel more, this is a dime more. And at the end of it, it adds up to a couple dollars or a dollar, depending on what your order is. But they're already going to get their delivery fee and a tip or what have you. But they're already changing the prices inside that app. One last look on that kind of changing to the price thing. And this is one of the things that I worry about. So, you know, people, print media is dead and so forth. This is one of the negatives of technology is whenever we have a full digital experience for uh, writing, at any point, anyone can change that writing. Right. It's There's nothing then is that volume on the wall that you can pull down and say, look, here it's, you know, this is the, you want to talk about the uh, Mandela effect to the infinite level. Whoever controls that system, whoever controls that published volume could make a change at any time they want and push it back out so that, you would get the new version, whether you liked it or not. And when you go back to read it, it's different. That's what I worry about on that side of things. <laughs> That's the bad yeah. part of technology. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a few. That's just such a concentrated <laughs> field. You know what I mean? Like technology is so, I don't know if you want to call it big tech or, or whatever, but. Mm-hmm. And the way that there's really no laws against it, we're totally outmatched by that. I think, Mm -hmm. you know, and as an individual, they already know how to hack your brain because that's basically what they've been studying for. Like I said, it's a grand experiment. It's a social experiment. And marketers were studying nostalgia before scientists really took it serious. Mm -hmm. So like you're saying, I I think what you're saying anyway, change people's minds or doing whatever they they want that way. They've already kind of hit that space. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they... um they took all the cigarettes out of ET at one point and then mm. released it. No, don't tell anybody. They took all the guns and the cigarettes out of ET and replaced them with walkie talkies and nothing. But uh, yeah. yeah, the story came out, but I don't think they mentioned it to anybody, but uh, they did do that on the re release. So. I forgot that they had the, yeah, I do remember <laughs> that. Yeah. Gonna, messing with my childhood. Mm hmm. So. Well, hey, listen, thank you for uh, for coming on. That was really fun and really interesting. I think we could actually do more. So maybe if something sure. comes up, you know, you can pop on again. If you want, you can plug your show here, plug anywhere people can reach you. And, you know, I'll definitely put it in the show notes as well. 
No, sure. Uh, I'll do a little spiel here. So cool. So uh, thanks for having me, Jay. And everybody remember, this is uh, Bob and I'm from Static Radio. You can catch us at staticradio.com uh, or just look on any, just about any of your social uh, media, the evil social media we were talking about <laughs> under Static Radio. And please, if you are anybody who is associated with the band Static Radio New Jersey, I apologize that we've taken all of your uh, handles and eventually you'll get them after I pass away. So it'll be up for grabs then. I'm sure people are uh, are chomping at the bit now. Just waiting. <laughs> there's, a dead, there's a death pool on here or whatever they call it. Oh, no. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, thanks again. I had a, a great time. So. Thanks to everyone who took some time out of their day today to listen. The With Jayberg Show is available wherever you find your favorite podcast or go directly to jaybergshow.podbean.com and subscribe to get the latest episodes. I know it may not always be a straight line, but I hope we'll see you again to take the journey and escape a while for thoughtful excursions into the world of ideas across politics, technology, pop culture, and all realms of civic life. See you soon. Support, and you have not